and welcome back to the Rhizocast this week. Thank you for tuning in, and we're excited to be sitting with you. I'm Sue Hunt, your host, and you can find my work at suehunt.com. You can tune in to the collaborative community of artists, Rhizo Magazine, at rhizomagazine.com. We're a community that shares inspiring work, realizations, writing, poetry, practices around art, environmental justice perspectives, astrology, spirituality, movement, recipes, all things rhizomorphic in the human consciousness. Sharing beauty as well as the deep process of being human without labels and beyond binaries. Okay, let's get right into this week's episode. Be sure to check out Rizo at rizomagazine.com. Here we go. Hello, Sue Hunt here. And wanted to put out into the ethers a bit about elevated capacity, breaking your binaries and finding your flow state which is the virtual community course that accompanies my first book titled Transitory Nature, Breaking Binaries for Integrated Being. So in this podcast, I wanted to talk a bit about the process of writing the book, when I began, how it began, and how it has culminated in several different forms. One, a paperback, over 270 pages, an Audible, which my editor is the voice on the Audible, and I was the, um, what do you call me, like the supervising sound engineer to make sure all the Sanskrit was pronounced correctly, and now a virtual course, and the virtual course spans from 12 weeks to nine months. So Transitory Nature is set up as a nine-month self-study consciousness design map. I thought I would go ahead and read the introduction so we're all on the same page of what breaking your binaries means and moving towards integrated being. After the introduction, I'll talk a little bit about the process of writing the book and creating the course. Okay, so I actually dedicated the book to my parents. For my parents, L, a psychologist, artist, intuitive, and empath. Turner, a dreamer, a serial entrepreneur, a master of action, and an expansive thinker. Both healers within their intergenerational inheritance and the dissolvers of generational karma, parenting with radical love and inclusivity. These pages originate from the seeds of change they planted in their own lives and mine. Respect for the teachings and their evolution. I have been a student of Vedanta, modern yoga, and Buddhism for more than half my life. In this text, Sanskrit and Gurmukhi are both cited out of respect for the origin of the practices and the cultural traditions from which these profound wisdom originates. Okay, quick travel through the contents. So I divided the book into three sections. Section one, which contains three chapters rooted in reality, private public symbiotic ethics, sick well, transitory nature, masculine, feminine body as vehicle. The second section, living heart action, 
lack and abundance, pranic economy, hustle flow, elevated capacity, hence the name of the virtual course, and root crown, integrated being. And then section three, higher octaves of human consciousness, attachment aversion, the middle path, self-will destiny, karma and dharma, past future, clairsentience. And then a section on closing words and citations and dedications to my teachers and specific lineages. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and read the foreword so we can all feel like we're in the same body of work together and what it means to break your binaries and the process I created around it. Forward. When writing my first book, I was on a mission to codify a consciousness design process. Our communal language definitions are built upon binaries. We process the world in a rigid way, pitting what appears to be two opposites against each other in an either-or way of seeing. In the years that led to me completing this project, I kept hearing, seeing, suffering arise from this either-or language and how it shapes thought, identity, and the evolution of consciousness in divisive and limiting ways. Language and the sacred art of communication have the profound ability to shape how we perceive ourselves, one another, the world, and the universe as we know it. In collective speech, a powerful consciousness organizing tool, expanded ways of communicating and therefore being exist beyond the binary spectrum of opposites. In developing non-binary worldview, we see a new set of summational archetypes emerge. At the same time, there is very little conversation, practice, and embodied integration around living a life of both and, and the full exaltation of our mysteriously evolved complexity. It's as if we stand at an interesting juncture, where we know there is a different way forward, but within our binary worldview, we can't imagine the consciousness structure that will take us there. This is the journey of this text, a consciousness design map towards summation, embodied transcendence, and clairsentience, or the ability to perceive states of consciousness and creative ways of being that exist beyond the binary. Through this, there emerges an integrated, interconnected being with access to expanded states of consciousness, exalted senses, and elevated capacity. Each section is an evolutionary building block towards the embodied integration of non-binary worldview or an uncovering of your transitory nature. Give each section the time, love, and attention it deserves. I propose 30 days of personal practice and contemplative inquiry for each section. This consciousness design process is a culmination of the last 15 years of practice and teaching. And as I have done with many of my students, I suspect that you will revisit many sections, practices, and realizations for years to come. As a spiritual teacher, I am deeply invested in the path of personal empowerment and spiritual sovereignty. I desire this for every single being who picks up this book. It's not my goal, therefore, to have you trust me. Self-transcendence requires one to deeply trust the empirical data that arises out of your own body-mind relationship without reference to or measurement by any outside metric. It is my goal, therefore, to build a faculty of deep self-resonance within you so that you are able to more deeply trust the sustainable path of your own contemplation and allow others to do the same. 
I like to imagine we're meeting in person. If we did, I would throw my arms around you for a hug, a loving embrace. I imagine it all the time. I picture someone thumbing through these pages on the train, asking themselves big questions about living a more easeful and abundant life, and why it seems so elusive at times. Another being pulls out the book at a coffee shop as they consider the sacred vessel of their body and a more integrated gender expression. I see the audiobook on someone's lock screen at their lunch break as they think deeply about their personal purpose and its overreaching implications in creating a more ethical society. Each of these beings is deep in what I see as an identity restructuring process. Each also allows the senses and the possibility to bring about more change in the fabric of mainstream social structure through these shifting internal inquiries by fully integrating their transitory nature into their worldview and actions. I came to this work through walking the path of both teacher and student simultaneously. I too have had dark nights of the soul, processing deep trauma, integrating realizations around heavy emotions, and modifying behavior through loving, potent, focused, clear, and meditative attention. Other worlds of being, dreaming, listening, and creating opened up due to the non-binary way of viewing the world that emerged as a result and through learning to see my identity as fluid, a shape-shifting structure that carries me, we, within the limitless potential of the body-mind. Part of my dharma is to share this work as a catalyst so that it may spark realization in others as they break their own binaries and embody a both-and approach to reality. You're next. Okay, so obviously this book, my first book, Transitory Nature, is a threshold frequency, meaning that it opens up new ways of being and dreaming for your identity as we see beyond the limiting spectrum of opposites, more than see beyond the limiting spectrum of opposites, but we actually have the ability in our central nervous system to hold paradox. So each of the sections is organized similarly, as is the virtual course. The virtual course is titled Elevated Capacity, Breaking Your Binaries and Finding Your Flow State, (coughs) which are all terms that I use in the book itself, particularly from binary five, which is called hustle flow. And we find our sustainable flow state, which would be breaking the binary. That one was particularly interesting, I think, to most readers over the last two years, considering our extractive capitalist society and continually outsourcing and globalizing those types of ethics. So I specifically organized the book in a particular way. So we have an accumulative meditative practice that starts to build up in your second nature over nine months. So the actual virtual course, Elevated Capacity, you can spend 12 weeks in the course, or you can spend up to nine months in the course. However, I am giving all readers that purchase the course access for life because I think this is something you would love to revisit every year, every couple months, or every couple years. 
because there's so much to unpack in the self-inquiry sections of all nine binaries that we break as we move closer to integrated being that sometimes our conscious mind can't quite see everything given our current vantage point. So you'd want to continually revisit the sadhanas, the subtle body practices, and then the extra sadhanas that are all in video format inside Elevated Capacity. And they range from 30 minutes to 60 minutes on top of the downloadable PDFs, which create this beautiful journal that would accompany the paperback and the audible. So that it's a really comprehensive experience. And it was very important to me to have the book in text, right, in hard copy, and also in an audible format so that you can absorb the information in several different channels in Word. Right? Sometimes it's very active and concentration based and you're really journaling and self-reflecting and you have a lot of out in the world contemplative practice and then sometimes it's very passive where we need more of the frontal lobe to relax and more of an embodied understanding where there isn't so much intellectual engagement and having all these opportunities to dive deep into breaking your binaries also breaks the intellect intuitive binary, which sometimes we put those on opposite ends of the spectrum. And I would love for you to find the center fulcrum point between intellect and intuition and the center of how do I have an embodied intellect and embodied intuition. And I'm absorbing transitory nature in a passive way and in an active way because there's a lot more sort of spiritual retention and ability to increase your con- con- contemplation so that there's more of a meditative aspect to everything you do in life, right? Sometimes in new age spirituality, we see our practice as something separate from our life. And this is a, a big push towards integration that everything we do is spiritual and everything we do is mundane. So there isn't as much separation between our practice and the life we live. And we can actually see some of the central nervous system expansion practices really affecting our lived action. Hence the reason I wanted all of these different formats to participate in the consciousness design map of transitory nature or the virtual chorus elevated capacity. So I also thought I would read the back of the book. One of my longtime teachers, Richard Rosen, wrote one of the endorsements. And, you know, I was adamant that we put his endorsement on the back of the book because he's influenced my work so much and so deeply. Human consciousness has evolved over many hundreds of thousands of years. Now we are approaching the end of what has been called the mental rational consciousness and the next integral mutation is beginning to emerge. This book is an impressively conceived and powerful guide to that entirely new way of seeing and being in the world, the next step in the realization of authentic Western yoga. Richard Rosen, author of Yoga Fact, Almost Everything You Need to Know About Yoga, from Asana to Yama. With transitory nature, radical Buddhist and spiritual guide Sue Hunt walks us as readers through a nine-month consciousness design process to dismantle binary worldview and discover a more contemplative vision of self and reality. Binary worldview, the thinking that everything we encounter is either this or that, is the root of so much suffering, oppression, and inner and outer conflict in our world, 
Often, the polarization we see in the wider social structure is a projection of the same binary schisms that live within each of us, now combining elements of Buddhism and yogic philosophy with a step-by-step constructive method. Sue invites us to fully embody the both and mentality that is the foundation for a more ethical life. In this ultra-progressive moment, we are all being tasked with finding new ways of being and living together. With rigorous attention and loving care, transitory nature offers up a new vernacular to describe where we are headed as conscious individuals who are walking the path together. Okay. So the course Elevated Capacity, here's the rundown por- per module, right? So you receive an original content audio, much like this format, which is me talking about each binary, the myths that we break inside binary worldview, and then the actual breaking the binary process given that module. Underneath that will be a downloadable PDF, which is the subtle body images and subtle body practices from transitory nature itself that will compile part of the journal. The next downloadable PDF is the self-inquiry sections, right? Sometimes that's Socratic questioning method. Sometimes that's creative writing prompts. Sometimes that's an embodiment practice. Sometimes that's a out in the world postural change. So self-inquiry is a broad title for how you're actually going to live the book in your life. That's also a downloadable PDF with blank pages so that you can actually engage with the book in a journal format. Underneath that will be a Hatha Vinyasa Kriya sequence. That Hatha Vinyasa Kriya sequence, Hatha Sun, moon, the forceful merger of opposites is what the Sanskrit word hatha stands for. Kriya means actually cleansing technique in Sanskrit, and vinyasa means to flow with energy in Sanskrit. So it's a mixture of all those different lineages of yogic practice in a 30-minute to a 60-minute sequence. So there's actually a physical component that's going to change your spiritual circuitry most importantly, your breath pattern that will directly affect your perception. So you get a 30 minute to a 60 minute sequence with with every single module. And then there's auxiliary work that will either be attached in PDF or another piece of writing or a community effort. And then you get two free gatherings a year with me, right? So first hundred people on, um, online streaming platform. If you're in the course, we actually will be able to meet as a community so you can do this work with other people that are interested in breaking their binaries and living a more integrated life. Um, I will say the reader base for Transitory Nature has been global and the interest has been global. So it's really awesome to be in such a diverse community of people that want to be getting closer to their true nature and breaking their binary worldview. So two free gatherings a year, and I'll be available really in that format. We can break out into small groups and have deep discussion around the intimate content of what's arising from your life when you live in a more open contemplative way. 
So there is a lot of content that supports the actual paperback and the audible version inside Elevated Capacity, Breaking Your Binaries and Finding Your Flow State, because I want you to be able to actually have a physical imprint of how this book is affecting the way that you breathe, that you stand, that you relate, that you find your own authenticity, that you find your own spiritual sovereignty, that you see a different relationship to your professional life, specifically see different relationship to your karma and to your intergenerational karma, right? The book really builds on itself. Then there's also a PDF section in binary eight, um, a later module in the course that is all about astrology and really finding what I call your mukti code, right? Astrology is a big part of my personal work. It's what I do in my one-on-one space, in my connect to spirit and my flow state containers. So you get a little bit of snippet there on how to look into your personal chart and find your mukti code, which is essentially um, kind of a special key to unlock your genderless creative potential and the way that you see the manifestation of your creative potential through your karma, through your astral signature. So that's also a super cool bonus later on in the work of transitory nature and the chorus elevated capacity. Okay, so maybe I'll get out of logistics mode for a moment and just talk a little bit about the book and how it came to be. So there's more of like a personal touch point with this work. And you can also understand my personal touch point with this work and why I created a consciousness design map that looks like such. So in 2018, I actually started writing the book, right? When you when you like start writing a book, it's kind of a crazy process because it's just the cursor in a blank doc. And you really have to start thinking like, how do I synthesize everything I've been doing? What have I been saying constantly for the last 10 years inside the private space or inside the public space when I used to travel and teach more often all over the US and globally? What are the constant themes that I've been seeing arise inside my own body-mind relationship and inside my hundreds of students' body-mind relationship? And I really started in a personal place because I wanted it to feel very authentic. I, I started writing about gender expression and my own gender expression and my own gender identity in early 2018, a little bit like poetry format 2017, but more organized in a much more Virgo mercurial way in 2018. And it really started as a book of sutras because I love Buddhist sutra yogic sutra, right? The Eastern philosophical traditions are the biggest influence for me on the way that I live my life on my creative work out in the world. So I started writing it in sutra, which actually was very helpful because then I could just sort of riff on it quickly, didn't need to be in paragraph form. And in specifics, I wrote about relationship and gender identity and my own realizations, my own yogic realizations about gender identity and in relationship. Then I started shopping the proposal around and getting really great feedback from some really big publishing houses and acquisitions editors, and I finally found the Numinous. And that's when we decided to expand on the concept non-binary worldview, right? So non-dualism is a foundational idea, an intellectual philosophical concept inside different Buddhist and yogic and Hindu lineages, 
And one of the most influential books I read, actually, I wrote my undergraduate thesis on it called The Crest Jewel of Discrimination by Shankaracharya. We're not sure if Shankaracharya is one person or multiple people, but it essentially codifies the work of Vedanta, which means the end of the Vedas. And it lays out non-dualism verbatim, right? The substratum of reality and Atman and Brahman and the convergence of two worlds and the difference between perception and the energetic substratum that binds all of us. It's super heady. (laughs) And I knew that it deeply influenced how I see myself and how I see the world. After I read that book when I was maybe 21, I guess, I I changed my life. You know, I quit both my college sports. I I was a two-sport college athlete. I dedicated my entire life to studying yoga and there I was off to the races. I studied Hinduism and Buddhism in undergrad and graduate school and consciousness studies in graduate school. Um, And I developed the word consciousness design specifically for transitory nature to describe the nine month rebirthing process of identity out of binary worldview into non-binary worldview. So obviously gender expression was important to me in 2017, 2018, and that's when I really started making the link between non-dualism and non-binary. And not just non-binary in the masculine feminine binary, but in every sense of the word and the way that we actually define things by their opposite. And we often know what things aren't, but it's very hard in an open contemplative way to describe what things are. So I set out on this massive journey for transitory nature to develop a non-binary language set and that what I call a summational archetype. So we can reach back into the past, which I did for so many years in terms of Eastern philosophical lineages and texts and looked at archetypes and Buddhist deities and Hindu deities and archetypes from the tarot. Like these are all valuable to me, but I also felt a very big gap in my own life of like, well, how do I put some of these ancient ideas and conceptual practices into the stratified, dominator, extractive capitalist world that I currently find myself in here now in 2023. And so that was something that I diligently worked through over about 10 years. Um, I used to teach yoga in hospitals. I taught yoga in integration clinics. I taught yoga in radiation clinics. Um, I've taught yoga in eating disorder clinics. I've taught yoga in a pediatric hospital in Haiti, Port of Prince Haiti. I've taught in Costa Rica. I've taught in Nepal. I've taught in Panama. Um, So I just really started immersing myself in very unique environments, mostly where I saw the convergence of science and spirituality or neuroscience and spirituality or medicine and spirituality or medicine. And now what we call integrative medicine, but 10 to 12 years ago, that wasn't a huge buzzword, but I found it a place where I could really understand non-dualism and non-binary worldview didn't really have the term non-binary worldview yet, but non-dualism was deeply affecting who I was and the work that I was pursuing out in the world. Um, Eventually owned my own yoga studios, and that's when I was in contact with hundreds of students coming in and out of the door from all walks of life on a daily basis, hundreds of students coming in and out of all three yoga studios and 
that's when I really got my first down and dirty taste with um, the dirty work of happiness, number one, and also running a business as a spiritual being. And there again, I also had to break down my binary sense of self. So here I am grappling with science and spirituality, neuroscience and spirituality, medicine and spirituality, now moving towards integrative medicine and integrative therapy. I was an integrative therapist. Then moving into business and spirituality and figuring out how to merge those two parts of my identity, which then really got me looking deeply into my own gender expression, which is something that I have been grappling with for a while with an eating disordered past, you know, addiction rampant in my family, right? These are things that I've always considered about sort of my flesh, my epigenetics. And then in the book, Transitory Nature, I use the word intergenerational osmosis, So it's not always intergenerational trauma as if everything that comes from our family unit is traumatic. Don't get me wrong. There is some limited patterned codification that happens to our consciousness through nurture, right? And that does come through our epigenetic line and traumatic experiences. When I lived um, remote at an ashram for almost eight months, this is when I really started to see this work emerge in my writing, my journaling, my drawing. So I used to draw to get out of the intellectual rational mind and into the intuitive mind. And here's where I really started working with um, my spiritual being in a modern world and breaking down the masculine feminine binary inside my own self-understanding. And it's really cool to look back to like 2008, 2007 and see some of these um, intellect intuitive uh mergers happening in my own language set and the evolution of my own worldview. Right. It was here that I really started to embody the teachings because I spent close to two months in silence and a long period of time inside a dedicated contemplative spiritual community where 50 plus people were there working on the land, eating together, spending time in ceremony, spending time in the temple, spending time in the temple rooms, and the temple homes, long bouts of silence, and really are there to evolve in a spiritual way. Um, then I taught a elective course. So my undergraduate, I went to Trinity College. And then when I was in graduate school, they invited me back to teach an elective course called Yogic Philosophy really cool. I got to teach in the basement of the super Gothic Catholic Trinity Chapel, a yogic philosophy course. And then I really got to work with 20 year olds, right? At this point, I'm 25 or 26. And I'm working with anywhere from 19 to 22 year olds. So that was also the time that I started codifying how to actually write workbooks, write manuals, um, create coursework, you know, all along the way, I've also been teaching year-long teacher trainings, which I have since stopped, but that also informed, you know, I wrote many a teacher training manual. So I was able to take the reader through a consciousness design process in transitory nature, and then the course elevated capacity. Because I do think there's an evolutionary component here where, you know, it's very difficult to stay committed to your own personal growth and your own personal sadhana. 
And you always have to kind of convince yourself, no matter how dedicated you become and no matter how much growth and change and expansion you end up seeing, there's still that little bit of the ego scaffolding that you have to convince almost daily, like, hey, hey, you sit down, meditate. Hey, hey, you get on your yoga mat. Hey, hey, you go spend time in nature. Because our entire global social structure is moving radically quickly in the other direction, you know, more time on the screen, more time with the family unit, more time growing your wealth, more time in your professional life, more time on social media apps, you know, I could just keep going more consumerism, more materialism, right? So the whole social structure of the world is pulling our consciousness in the other direction. So I think there's a, a misnomer that like once you're in your flow or once you're in your spiritual path, you'll stay there. But one thing I've learned over time is that you really have to convince your rational mind on a regular basis that this time is worth it. Time in silence changes you. Time in your contemplative practice changes you. And even if there's resistance, it's still worth it, even if it's for three minutes. And so that's why the consciousness design map of non-binary worldview and the coursework is really going to rise up to meet you in those daily moments of resistance where you're like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I don't feel like doing that. And I throw so much at you in the paperback and the audible and the virtual course that kind of meets you where that resistance sits. So you can always sort of say, oh, I'll just do the three minute Kriya. I'll just do the one minute Kriya. Oh, I have so much time today and I'm not feeling great. I'll go ahead and do the 60 minute sadhana you know, I don't want to do anything with my body today. I'm feeling tired. It needs rest. So I'm just going to engage in morning pages and the self-inquiry sections, right? So you can really meet that resistance with a appropriate tool. I describe this in the book in detail, but I love the word upaya. It means skillful means and right action. So skillful means that attain right action in our contemplative lives. And there needs to be a bit of a revolving door with how we see our identity and then how we meet ourselves with our contemplative practice so that we can continually build that accumulation of balancing our central nervous system, expanding our central nervous system, more capacity to hold more creativity, more capacity to hold more rest, and I know this sounds counterintuitive, but more capacity to hold more rest that allows more for more creative output. This is the sweet spot that I started hitting when I allowed my contemplative practice to be more malleable and open. And there's no judgment, right? Sometimes it can look so complex, so spiritual and so beautiful. And sometimes it can look so simple, like throwing a temper tantrum and screaming and having your embodiment actually express what you're feeling. There's some work like that in binary three, breaking the masculine feminine binary. So that there's a big open spectrum of how you actually approach yourself as an evolving spiritual being. I think the thing that's also very important about transitory nature and the virtual course elevated capacity is that, you know, I, I asked this in the opening of the book in the introduction, and I also remind us in the closing is that a lot of these techniques here, they're meant to be used, they're not meant to be taught. So this is the thing I saw in New Age spirituality, which I realized I wanted to create more depth, more authenticity, and more, you know, guttural change in each being that approaches this work, is that it's not something to memorize and then go teach on a soapbox. It's actually a very intimate process 
that you, sometimes it would be kind of creepy or scary or intense to say some of the things that you're really working with in this work out loud. It's not integrated yet. It feels disjointed. It feels like, oh shit, if I was to really approach that thing inside my consciousness, I would see myself radically differently. And this is so important to me because I see millions of yoga practitioners on the globe, but we don't see the social structure changing fast enough for the demands of our environment, for the demands of our stratified society, for the increasing pressure that the economic system is putting on all of us. And so I think that we need to understand that this is a slow-paced, slow-burn, long-game self-growth inquiry. So there's nothing to really, there's no trophy, there's no certificate, there's no ending point. There's no like, oh my God, I did it. Now let me go share it and teach it and post about it on my social. Okay. Of course, there's going to be deep, amazing moments. And you'll understand this when you break the private public binary that you want to share some of this work inside your new emerging public presence and the way that you show up in our social structure. That's not what I'm talking about. I think that that's deeply transformative. And we have to have these different beacons of, um, I almost want to call it a dream state where we can see a different future moving forward together through the actual frequency that the collective is embodying that is doing the work of breaking your binaries. And this is kind of that, you know, if you know, like, you know, the authenticity that radiates through someone else, if you too hold that reflection. And that's really what I'm asking for inside the work of breaking your binaries and inside the work of moving into your own elevated capacity. So inside the lack abundance chapter, this is also very near and dear to my heart and something that I really developed over time running spiritually sound businesses is the idea of sustainable and genuine abundance and the difference between extractive abundance that accumulates wealth or resources but doesn't actually put them back into the sharing community that reduces the stratification socially and economically in society and also the pressure that we put on our non-renewable resources that earth is so generously gifting to us that we are so greedily extracting, right? This is something I wanted us to see differently inside the new age spiritual environment so that we saw change in the way that we're passing legislation and we saw change in the way that we're consuming and we saw change. We have less addiction to materialism. We're not seeking our binary identity in materialism, right? This is a constant work in progress. And one thing I learned over time is how easy it is for a binary worldview, binary dominator worldview, to mutate our creative force, which is human in nature, which is raw, beautiful, expansive, abundant, always present, the main karmic output, our creative force, it mutates it into productivity and then puts it inside an extractive capital system. This is something that I felt a violent schism in my own life. And there's always this misaligned hustle that moves us towards productivity and actually takes us away from regenerative creativity. And these are two totally different states of embodiment. A large, massive portion of our social structure is in the mutating creativity into productivity 
And the means that we do that is misaligned hustle. And then actually, I said it a couple minutes ago, being able to find more creativity through rest, which ups our receptivity, which we touch inside breaking the root crown binary. So we find more receptivity and more rest, and that actually leads to more creative output. Bam, that's my definition of regeneration. I think this is very important inside our environmental consciousness and very important inside our human-centric consciousness that we see these two things as linked and we see our behavior moving out of the misaligned hustle and into the regenerative abundance, which comes from rest. And I love the section in Breaking the Lack Abundance Binary, Pranic Economy, which is the... Um, human and earthly resources report. So this is something I would just love for you to spend more time with. I really sort of keep it as a running tally in my head where I can understand. It's called infinite regress inside the Mahayana Buddhist tradition, which means all the cause and conditions that gave rise to this product, this relationship, the home that I live in, the resources that I'm using, the renewable resources that I'm using, and the non-renewable resources that I'm using. And then I can really track that, you know, daily, weekly, monthly. And I have an ongoing conversation with the difference of misaligned hustle and productivity and regenerative abundance and how I'm actually living that through my own spiritual contemplative practice. I think I referenced this in the book as well. This sort of came out of after I had so many failed businesses, then I really started looking at how I was mutating my creative energy. And I saw a big link to earth consciousness here and how I was moving towards productivity and misaligned hustle, actually running the fuck down out of my adrenals and really not deep in my genderless expression of creativity, which has this like crazy well of adaptation, innovation, and this comes from a much more regenerative self and seeing yourself in that way. So make sure you check out the Human and Earthly Resources report inside the virtual course and the book itself. Okay, so breaking the root crown binary in elevated capacity, I have an integration module after the sixth chapter in the book. So this integration module, you're also receiving a 60-minute sadhana. In particular, it's a Hatha Kriya sadhana, which I love. And I picked it specifically so that we're working towards an embodied second nature of regeneration and less obsession with crown energies, which we hear all the time in New Age spirituality, which is like my intuition or my download or my lineage or my teacher or my community or my sangha or I'm hearing higher messages or my higher self. And there's sometimes a neglect of the real human life we live. The bottom three chakras, sex, guts, money, death, earth, regeneration, soil, soil health, um, our actual distribution of capital, the way that we see capital, is it extractive or is it regenerative, um, sex, money, power, right? These are things that sometimes seem dirty and unnecessary in the higher octaves of spirituality. And I wanted to make sure and give a integration module and elevated capacity right after breaking the root crown binary, 
what I call the gates of contemplation inside that chapter, because it gets real, real, real fast when we start to break down money, sex, power inside our intergenerational trauma and intergenerational osmosis. So what we learned from our family units, what we might have learned learned from an abusive culture and abusive situation, and then what we might have learned from our educational upbringing, and then ways that we can actually create a gate of contemplation or a rite of passage inside the new forms of identity that we're putting forth as we break the root crown binary. So we're less obsessed with ascension or moving out of the social structure that we've all created together and ways to actually change the social structure from the inside out. This is an influence from Krishnamurti, who is one of a big influence personal for me, teacher for me, been to India, been to Krishnamurti center, spent hours there with his books and his teaching and his essence. And I think he's an incredible writer, a flawed human, incredible writer, hence breaking the binary worldview of even people that we put on pedestals and see as teachers. And some of his work is deeply transformative from the inside out with the effort to change the social structure through thought, action, and speech, which is something that I would love for transitory nature and elevated capacity to do in the long run as well. Okay, a little bit of a trigger warning moving into binary seven, attachment aversion, Um, I specifically use a pretty radically serious anecdote there. Um, And then we're really moving into the space of astrology, attachment aversion binary, attachment and aversion and non-attachment, big teachings in the Eastern philosophical canons. And I really wanted to modernize those in a particular way so that we could understand them in a really sort of complex, murky, intense personal situation that all of us face on a regular basis, given that unique life context. And then lastly, I move us into past future clairsentience, right? So intuition became such a popular buzzword that I wanted to step away from that language and create another non-binary summational archetype that we really understand, okay, what happens if I don't see myself as an accumulative, ongoing, um, continual understanding of who I am. And I can see all different versions of my personality in different time space junctures. There is, I talk about it in the last chapter, but a pivotal teaching that also helped me reframe my self-understanding that is called no self inside um, the Mahayana canon. And we understand that sometimes the through line of who we think we are actually obstructs us from seeing the larger consciousness collective metastructure. I know those are big words, but if you stay with the sadhana from from this book, you're actually going to be able to change the way that you see, feel, hear, and perceive. And perceive beyond what I call your evos ego scaffolding. I like, I want, I desire, I want to manifest. Here's who I am. Here's what I'm working with. Here's my past. When we actually turn the volume knob down on self, because we're not so self-obsessed, which I'm pretty um, unforgiving in some of the ways that I describe narcissistic navel gazing inside new age spirituality, because honestly, I'd love to move us to the space where we hear the collective cries of suffering as loudly as we hear our own inner needs. And that actually needs 
some serious clairsentience entering the space so that we can see beyond the ego scaffolding. We can hear other intel in the time-space juncture that has nothing to do with our personality. And then we're really, this is kind of moving into the space of bodhisattva, right? The being that cultivates bodhicitta, loving kindness for all of society, every being on the planet, I'm cultivating loving kindness towards so I can support, serve, here and create long-term change for equality, right? That's the path of the bodhisattva. I don't really use the word bodhisattva in the last chapter because I wanted us to have sort of a less Eastern philosophical lens on how we can be clairsentient and listen to the larger collective consciousness metastructure that what do we need to do? What kind of actions do we need to take? What kind of nonprofits, businesses, um, personal ventures, creative works, art, family um, healing, right? What what needs to happen on a much larger structure to actually embody non-binary worldview and step out of the dominator binary worldview? So that's, that's really the culminating last chapter. It's really the space of the wordless. It's the deep, spiritually connected, jaw-dropping moments that's outside of your own ego scaffolding. And so the sadhana in the course builds us to that moment, that long-term trajectory where we can hear the cries of society and the suffering. We don't deny our own. We don't see someone else's over ours, but we also don't see our importance over someone else. Hence equality happening there inside the path of the bodhisattva, breaking the past future binary. Okay, I think that is a deep, expansive dive on what elevated capacity, breaking your binaries, and finding your flow state puts forth inside that nine-month course. Um, Last few intimate things I will share. So actually, the cover of Transitory Nature is... um, mycelium that's what the sort of tan imprint is um the mycelial body the mycelial mind i wanted that subliminal messaging inside the imagery of the cover um the first time i got the idea for this nine month conscious design process was actually when tripping on mushrooms (laughs) and when i came out i just started writing how I wanted this nine-month rebirthing of identity process to happen and boom non-binary worldview dropped in a couple days after that so I think there is a big link between spirituality body earth and regenerative abundance and I think that's radically important to put all of those spheres into a Venn diagram and then understand that our spiritual trajectory needs to touch every single part of that Um, regenerative model. So I wanted the design of the book to also reflect those values. And then in the first chapter, I use the word symbiotic ethics so that we understand the semi-permeable membrane between you and me, between me and society, between you and family unit, between me and family unit, and that we are starting with self that radiates into family unit, that radiates into community, and then that radiates into larger and larger Um, social structures, non-binary embodied worldview. That's what I'm asking for. Okay, I think that's a pretty expansive look at the course, the book itself, what you can expect from Access for Life to Elevated Capacity course. 
Um, I know that's not the best sales technique, but authentically, I feel like that's the best way to really engage with this work so that it has a space in your inner world and it also has a space in your outer world. Okay, so I'm here if you need me. I say that many times throughout the course as well. You can always reach out to me in any capacity. Um, I really appreciate the effort that it takes to engage with this work. I know that it's subtle and I know that it can feel complex at times. I hope that its complexity leads you towards this simple, intuitive efficiency that really allows you to be sovereign in your spirituality and deeply respectful to others. That's literally the definition of spiritual sovereignty. And I think I also say it in the foreword, but this course is for you, right? Like I wrote this book to be read, to be practiced, to be shared, to be expanded upon. Um, It's not me just on a soapbox teaching and, you know, talking down to. Like it really will look so unique in the context of your own life. You know, I could go through so many ways that it has affected my own personal karma. And I think that it's going to look different when it roots into the soil of who you are and then grows up through the chakra system and creates expansion in a way that is unique to your specific karma and dharma, which we touch in binary eight self-will destiny and really collapsing those two into each other. This is something that, you know, I think it's very important to understand, you know, some of my teachers and some of my mentors, I share and teach and change and give in such a different way because it's coming through my karma. And that's the opportunity that the consciousness design map gives to every single reader that engages with it, is that it exalts your karma and dharma in a particular way, in a unique context to your skill set, your astral imprint, who you are, and the intuitive efficiency that you can put forth, which will look so different than me or the course itself or anyone else. So I'm also offering study with a friend discount because I think that um, community and sometimes saying some of this weird, intense, expansive shit out loud is really valuable and you want to be witnessed by another as much as you witness yourself. Of course, there has to be the implication of safety and acceptance there first. So that's why I'm offering a study with a friend discount so that you can enter the course with someone that you deeply love. I think some of the most, I'm a cancer Pisces, but some of the most transformative work I've done personally with non-binary worldview has been with my family unit. And it's not through teaching or talking about spirituality. It's through making different choices, drawing boundaries, explaining myself clearly, asking for what I need, and allowing those ripple effects to change the way that my family unit functions. So if you wanted to take this course with a sister or a brother or a spiritual sister, or a spiritual brother or anyone else that feels like a good fit inside your personal um, chosen family or loved family or family members, right now we're really starting to make impact in our intergenerational osmosis, which will have effects on generation to come in our um, family karmic lines, but also our epigenetic lines. And these are things that I'm very passionate about. And I would love for you to join the chorus with a family member or a friend. That would be super helpful for your own ability to be witnessed as well. Okay. I think that's all I have to say. (laughs) Quite the mouthful. Um, I just, 
you know, it's one thing when you're creative and you put your work out into the world and you hear and you see and you feel other people engaging with it. It's just heartbreaking and heartwarming all at the same time. And again, very grateful for that love and attention. And I hope that you read Transitory Nature or you join Elevated Capacity, whatever feels right for your needs. I hope it's a fit. Um, Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk soon. Bye.